Well, keep um, 1 Thessalonians open in front of you. If you don't have that open, um, maybe you can use your phone or something like that. If you can share a Bible, that'll be very, really helpful. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Well, friends, just a, a couple of little announcements before... Um, I wasn't really having an announcement time. This is sort of it, I suppose. Don't forget to read your bulletin. Um, read that catch, so you know what's going on in various parts of the church. Uh, one thing I did want to tell you right now, so Jono has indicated to myself and the wardens that um, he'll be, uh, well, Sunday, November 22nd will be his last Sunday. So what we're going to do on November 22nd then is we're going to have a bit of a lunch together to say farewell. So hopefully uh, the weather will be better than what it is today and <laughs> we're gonna, we're plan is to go down to Hampton Park amongst the playground and so on. So put that in your diary, November 22nd, um, after the 10am service, we'll head down there and, and farewell Jono uh, and, and Amy and Lily and uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be good. So why don't we pray and then we'll have a look at this Thanksgiving passage. That's our theme today. You might have picked up on that as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us today. We thank you that we can um, uh, gather together and we do thank you for the rain. Uh, our, our earth needs it. We pray it goes to places that really do need it, I suppose. Um, and Lord, we thank you for just the opportunity is to be together, the blessing it is to be together. Amen. So there's an outline there in your bulletin as well. You might want to have that open in front of you. Well, it wasn't safe being a follower of Jesus in Thessalonica in the mid-first century. Christians were being targeted by this group of Jews who also employed the services of some local thugs. It all started back in the sort of the late 40s AD and uh, Paul and Silas were visiting Thessalonica. Uh, You can see there just at the the top and there's obviously uh, Greece and Turkey over there. Uh, one of their missionary journeys, and they'd preached in the synagogue for three weeks. They'd preached that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the one that the Old Testament had, had pointed to. He was the one that fulfilled the promises of the Old Testament, and that this Messiah had to uh, die and, uh, and, and, and suffer and raise from the dead. So that was what he was preaching. Now, some of the Jews, well, they were persuaded. And they then joined Silas and um, Paul. A large number of Greeks also were converted. And there were also quite a few well-known women who jumped on board and believed that Jesus too was the Messiah. But a number of the Jews didn't. And they were jealous. And so they resented these Christians, as they now were called. And with the help of some hired heavies that they, that, uh, who hung out at the local Woolies, um, they, uh, they joined up and, and went out with the intent to drive Paul and Silas out of Thessalonica. Now, Paul and Silas did leave Thessalonica only because they thought that would keep the believers somewhat safer. But these marauding thugs were also intent on harm, harming anyone who wore the badge of Jesus. Such was their hatred for the church that they, they rioted in the city. They hunted down church leaders, beating them and accusing them of, um, of falsely of defying Caesar. You read all about that in Acts 17. So, in the midst of all that, and Paul calls this, he, he summarises it and says, severe suffering. In the midst of all this severe suffering, 
this pain and these trials, why would Paul begin his letter to them with thanksgiving? Why would he do that? Why would, what gives the apostle reason to thank God in such circumstances? Well, the answer is the church. The church. God's church. Of course, we don't mean the building, we don't mean the tradition, we don't mean the organisation, we mean the people. The people. The followers of Jesus gathered together around his word who have turned, we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, who have turned from idols to serve the true and living God, who welcome the message, the word of God with joy. He thanks God for the church. Because of the powerful work God was doing in the believers as they gathered together. More specifically, verse 3, their work produced by faith, their labour prompted by love, and their endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus. So here's the effect of the gospel message on the church, this gathering of people in Thessalonica. And note first up that the effect, that, that effect is expressed actively. You see, it's lived out. The gospel is lived out in their lives. Uh, you might remember the, um, <coughs> you know, the kids' story, uh, the kids' movie, Toy Story. I think it's, it's got to be one of the best kids' movies around. If you haven't seen it, shame on you. Um, but you should see it. That's your homework this week. Uh, maybe if you've seen it with the grandchildren or the kids. But one of the characters is Rex. Now, Rex is uh, he, he's Tyrannosaurus Rex, the dinosaur. I think he's got a picture of him. There he is, the green one next to Buzz Lightyear on the, on the left of Buzz, our left. Now, at the end of the... Now, the funny thing about Rex, though, he ironically had a confidence problem. So, there you go, as a Tyrannosaurus Rex. But at the end of the movie, and I am sorry to spoil this for you if you haven't seen it, but Rex defeats the arch-enemy Zerg. He lives it, like in real life, so to speak. So, at the end of the movie, when the toy pig... Now, I can't remember the toy pig's name. Anyone remember the toy pig's name? Ham, or well done, yeah, okay, Ham, oh, done, yes. Um, so when, at the end of the movie, when Ham plays the Buzz Lightyear versus Zerg video game, he's there playing it, he invites Rex to play with him. Now, this is what Rex said, it says it's awesome. He says, I don't need to play, I've lived it. That's a great line. The Thessalonians didn't just play, they didn't just talk about it, they lived it. They lived out the gospel in their lives. Their lives were characterised by actively following Jesus, even in the context of persecution, severe suffering. No wonder Paul is thankful to God, because they're living the gospel out. They're like the good soil, remember the good soil in the power of the sower? The good soil, those who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So, we're going to take a few minutes to see the effect of the gospel message in these believers. First, their work produced by faith. Paul remembers the Thessalonians' faith or trust in God and that their faith is busy, it's active. Their faith in God and in his Son, the Lord Jesus, shows itself in good work. That means service to God. Their faith is not some intellectual agreement but had direct connection with their lifestyle. Although not as much as Paul wished, and we'll get to that in a minute. Second, their labour prompted by love. 
another effect of the gospel on them. They laboured together in life, which was sometimes tough. And it was their love that drove them, uh, prompted them. We could also put it this way, they laboriously toiled at love, loving each other, outsiders, their love, uh, the love for their church, their leaders, anyone. And at times it was hard work. And their faith in Christ was causing ripples of, ripples of loving actions within the church family and the wider society too. Let's see verse 8 there, if you've got your Bibles open. Their faith in, in, uh, in action was ringing out like a bell across a village. It's ringing out, rippling out. But this love Paul refers to is countercultural love. And that's expressed in, a, in the Greek word that's being used here. So let's all get, let's get Greek for a little while. Let's get te- a little bit techy, right? It's quite interesting though. See, to the Greeks of the day, love was eros love, E-R-O-S. That's the transliteration, we call it. Eros love, the normal Greek word used to describe love. But this love was love, uh, this, this eros love is love to the one who is worthy. That's what eros means. It's love to the one who is worthy to receive my love. Or it was also a love that desires to possess. So I love uh, my uh, material possession. I love my car or my chariot. Um, I love my uh, a slave, a sexual partner. That's when you use the word eros. But the word for love that we read here and throughout the New Testament is a different word. It's not eros. It's agape, so A-G-A-P-E. Agape, it's a different word, different meaning, different culture. Agape love is the word used to describe Christ's love for sinners. It's a self-sacrificial love. That's the type of love that Paul thanks God for that this church are labouring in. So we find it in 1 John 4, 9 and 10. I'll give one more example. There's lots of examples. And not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. It's sacrificial love. So agape love is not love of the worthy. No, it's love of the unworthy. It is a love given irrespective of merit. A love that seeks to give. A love we find in the gospel on the cross in Jesus' death uh, for sinners like you and me. That's agape love. That's what we're reading in 1 Thessalonians. The gospel gathering, real church, us this morning, must be characterised, driven even, by agape love, prompted by such love and and the encouraging news brought to Paul was that the Thessalonians were doing just that. Okay, so uh, third effect now. Third effect, we've seen the first two. uh, Their work produced by faith, their labour prompted by love. Third, their endurance inspired by hope. The evidence was that even though, even through these difficulties and severe suffering, they kept going in their changed behaviour. And this had come through their confident ex- expectation, their hope, in the return of Jesus. They realised that following Jesus is like a marathon. Uh, maybe it's more like the... the uh, I don't mind watching the Tour de France. I'm not a cyclist really at all. I don't mind mountain biking, but I, I'm not going to get in Lycra, so that's just not going to happen. Um, but um, the, the, the Tour de France has all those hills 
It's actually a spectacular watch. That's why I like watching it. The hills and the mountains. They're, they're, they're hills in Australia, but they're mountains, aren't they? They're real mountains. Hills, uh, sorry, mountains and valleys and, and beautiful streams. That's a bit like the Christian life, isn't it? it you, you're, you're riding along and you go through your ups and downs. There are difficult times. But what's important is that you get to the end. Uh, and note that it's active. You're not going to win the Tour de France by sitting on the couch and watching it on TV. You've got to get on your bike and ride. Uh, and knowing what's at the end keeps them going. A few weeks back, there was a great, uh, an unbelievable story of this Australian runner, a guy called Ned Brockman, who ran 50 marathons in 50 days. 50 marathons in 50 days. So it took about three hours to run each marathon, which is good time, um, three, maybe three, three and a bit hours. Uh, but you know what? That's not the world record. The world record is 91 marathons in 91 days. There you go. So talk about endurance and no doubt with a view to the end. Uh, that's the Christian life and that's, what's, that's what Paul thanks God for in the lives of these Christians in Thessalonica. Endurance inspired by hope. But this hope that inspires the Thessalonian Christians, it's real and certain because Jesus is alive. He's risen. It's, it's a confident expectation, therefore, that he will return. And this confident expectation inspires them right now, in the present, knowing that Jesus, who died for them on the cross to rescue them from their sin, would one day return and, and, and take them to heaven. Seeking to be ready for his return encourages them to keep serving and to keep working for Christ each day. Endurance inspired by hope. But you know, like any gardener who's planted his crop and seen the evidence of growth, the apostle knows growth must continue. Getting excited over a seedling, little seedling, that's wonderful, isn't it? planted it from a seed, a little seedling comes up. It's very exciting, but a ripening, fruit-bearing tree, well, that's the goal. And so in chapter 3 and 4, Paul prays for further growth. So if you've got your Bible there, we're going to flick through a few passages in chapter 3 and 4. Here's the first one. In fact, I might have put this up on the screen. Let's see if I did. I did. There you go. I've done you all a favour. Okay. So in chapter 4, verse 1. Have a, look at, have a look what the Apostle Paul uh, longs for in their life and thanks for as well. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Now in 4 verse 10, a few verses later, Paul is thankful that they have demonstrated their love for one another and then prays that this love would overflow even further. So see verse 10, now I don't think I did put this up on the screen, so verse 10 in your Bible is chapter 4, Paul is thank, uh, sorry, and in fact you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. So he doesn't stop there, does he? What does he say? Yet we urge you, we pray for brothers and sisters to do this more and more. You see what he's saying? Seedlings are exciting, but a plant, a, a fruit-bearing plant tree is the goal. Uh, we can keep going too. See, in chapter 3, verse 13, Paul is thrilled that the return of Christ has inspired them, but he longs that it may strengthen them even more. So 3, verse 13, 
May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus Christ uh, comes with all his holy ones. Strengthening, it's an ongoing thing, more and more. We can push the metaphor just a little bit more too. See, growth in the spring is wonderful, but Paul longs for and prays for such growth would be sustained into the summer months, where in the Middle East, in the Middle East, the summer months are hot and dry, aren't they? And not much grows in the Middle East in summer. So he prays that, that their growth would continue when it's, when it's even harder. You see, Paul's prayer is that the Thessalonian believers would be fully transformed. In 5 verse 23, uh, they're sanctified through and through. God doesn't want Christian growth to be uh, compartmentalized. In other words, in some parts of life, but not others. No, no, no. God is concerned for every aspect of our lives. So back to gardening again. Paul's, well, Paul has sown the seed of God's word. And a church has been planted where there is evidence of growth poking through the ground. Paul is delighted and thankful, but he longs to see further growth, which will result in rich and fruitful crop of Christians when Jesus returns, completely transformed and living for Christ. Well, friends, um, we too here in God's church at Robbo have great cause for thankfulness. Work produced by faith, labour prompted by love, endurance inspired by hope all because chapter 1 verse 4 we are loved by God and chosen by him you see when when I see uh, the dedication of our children's ministry volunteers who by the way last Sunday afternoon took two or three hours of their summer afternoon out and trained together so they could do their they could serve better they could do their work better when I see that I think of work produced by faith Uh, When I meet with wardens and parish council, I think of labour prompted by love. Likewise, when I hear of people visiting those who are sick or lonely, uh, who share a meal with a new family or bring a meal around to to the needy, I think of labour prompted by love. When I speak to youth group leaders who for the last three years, four years, uh, and in some cases more, every Friday night, without fail, every Friday night, They're discipling our teenagers. I I think of endurance inspired by hope. Now, that's not meant to be funny, but I thought it's a little bit funny because sometimes Friday nights are very enduring. Um, uh, I could say the same for our small group leaders too. When I I look at the church roster, we see servants whose labour is prompted by love, whose work is produced by faith, whose endurance to keep serving, to keep loving, is due to the fact that one day Jesus will return. I pause for a moment. In your bulletins, you've got this little form. Uh, We're going to have this available for the next few weeks too, and spare copies and so on. So this little form, we do it sort of once or twice a year, to encourage you to sign up to serve somewhere. If you consider this church, you're a member of this church, and membership here is functional, um, that means that if you say you belong here and you pray for us and you turn up and you give uh, and you serve, well, then really you're a member. Okay, that's what membership means. We don't do membership classes or anything like that. So here's an opportunity to serve. What you can do is uh, circle basically, where you might want to do that. You can circle circle one little item there, or you can circle two, you can circle three, whatever you like to do, and then we'll get you plugged in. Uh, I'm asking everyone to do this. So even if you already serve somewhere, 
just sort of pretend you're starting again, all right? Uh, circle what you'd like to get involved with, and if there's something there that you're, you're thinking of that's um, something not there, I should say, you're thinking of, come and talk to me. We can find a, a spot for you. So there's a little lovely decorated blue box at the black back door there. Um, you might have seen as you walked in. Just fold it over, make sure you put your name and your number on it, and put it in the box. Now, you don't have to do it today. We're going to have these available the next few weeks, um, so you might want to have a think about it and you might want to ask about what, what is um, involved with some of these things. Uh, but consider that. That'll be great. Pray about it and serve. So, you see, there's great reason, I think, to thank God. There is great cause to be thankful for God, uh, to God for his work here at Robertson Anglican Church, which is also reason to pray and plan for growth. What God is doing amongst us is reason to grow. It's reason, using Paul's words, to do this more and more. Have you ever thought about our little logo that we have? That we, we I think four or five, about, it's almost five years old now. Um, it's a green leaf representing growth. And what's in the middle is the cross of Christ. We grow under the cross of Christ. It's as simple as that. That's why we use it. Uh, so, you see, as a church, we don't want to be stagnant. I've talked a lot about this in the past as well, like some pool of water just sitting there. No, no, we want to be more like a flowing river which grows in momentum as, as, as the further it goes. God has called us to grow in godliness, as we've seen, to grow in faith, uh, to grow in making disciple-making disciples. So today, I want to share with you one way that we can continue to grow. In fact, I've already shared two, one already, haven't I? That form, um, serving together, that's one way. Another way that we can continue to grow, a living in order to please God, reaching more people with the good news of Jesus. I, I don't often talk about money and financial giving up front um, because I, I haven't really needed to. <laughs> um, that's a good thing, isn't it, I suppose? But the thing is, that's actually not a very good reason. It's not a good enough reason. I actually should, keep, should be keeping you more up to date um, with our financial, finances and all that sort of thing uh, because that's reason to thank God. And so I'm sorry I haven't done that. That's actually a, uh, it's a shortcoming of my, what, the work I've done with you. Uh, so I'm going to try a bit harder. But in any case, we, we are a generous church. Uh, we've been meeting our budgets over the last four to five years, which means we're able to take the, we've been able to take the step of employing a, a parish administrator um, that was a number of years back now. And we've also, last year, employed a youth and children's worker. Much to thank God for. Uh, new people are joining. Membership is increasing. And more people are committing to our small groups. Now, in regards to our youth and children's worker role, as I've stated a number of times over the years, our goal is to reach a point where we can increase the position uh, to a full-time position. Now, we're not there yet. But gee, we're getting close, which is very exciting. And again, much to thank God for. Right now, we're, we're very close to being able to offer a four-day-a-week position. At the moment, it's just three days a week. Now, let me assure you, there's plenty to do. Uh, with Beck coming on board, Beck Glasson coming on board in January, and I think she's, the first day looks like it's going to be January 11th as well, just so you know. Uh, with Beck coming on board, she's keen to implement much of what she has learnt 
in ministry over the, over the years. Uh, for example, including uh, kids afternoon kids clubs, uh, holiday programs, uh, youth camps, youth small groups, training leaders and so on. Our budget's in good shape. God has given us a wonderful opportunity to increase ministry. That's what he's given us. So today, I'm, I'm asking you uh, whether you would prayerfully consider increasing your sacrificial giving so that ministry can continue to grow, so that more people can be reached with the good news of Jesus. If we can increase the youth and children's worker role, uh, which was always our plan over the years, to a, at the moment to a four-day-per-week position, I believe this would make a substantial difference in the work that we can do here. It's just that little level that can jump us up in that way. So, let me be as clear as possible though, and you need to listen very carefully. This may not be for everyone, okay? You may be at your limit in giving and it's something you've been wrestling with and you might wrestle with it a bit more now after I've spoken. Uh, you've been wanting to give more You've prayed about it, but right now you just can't. And that's okay. That's okay. Uh, in fact, that's a very godly response. But others might be in a position to give more. Uh, you've also considered this carefully. You've prayed about it, and you're able to make some changes. That too is a very godly response. And still others may now want to start giving, uh, even if only a small amount. Remember, Jesus teaches us sacrificial, generous giving. Remember the, the, the widow's offering in Mark 12. Uh, she, she only gave a small amount, but Jesus praises her for her sacrificial giving. Others over time uh, have given a one-off gift to support a youth and children's worker, and that, that's been great. But if that's you, um, it's our assumption that you want to you keep doing that. We're sort of relying on that, either as a one-off gift maybe every few months what it might be and then all regularly in your normal giving so we're, we're relying on that as well if at all possible it's it's most helpful to give regularly through a direct money transfer online rather than ad hoc amounts now and then receiving those direct money transfers assists the wardens and the treasurer greatly in planning and budgeting so if you can do that, that's, that's much more helppful. In fact, most of us do. I've done it, Michelle and I have done it for, since we got married, 997. Um, we've done it online. So uh, I recommend doing that. That's the, that's the, you set it and, and then you don't want to forget it. It's important to remember, but you revisit it. Oh, we revisit, revisit it every sort of six months sort of thing um, or if our jobs change and cha pay changes. So that's, that would be great. That would help us greatly. So look, friends, there's our challenge. It's a good challenge to have. It's a great position to be in. Thanks be to God. Um, uh, really, it's a blessing to be able to have this conversation today. Uh, can I ask you then to pray and consider carefully how you can respond, uh, not only in how you can serve, and that's that little form I showed you before, but how you can serve by giving financially. Uh, pray about it, talk about it with your family. It's very important. But here's our goal. Our goal is to raise our giving so in the next few months we can increase ministry and employ the youth and children's worker for four days per week. Um, as I said, I believe that'll make a substantial difference in ministry here. So why don't we pray together? I didn't warn you about this before. I'm terribly sorry. Um, we, I'll give you a chance to ask a question if you want to. So this, it could be a practical question. 
I'm happy to share a bit more about um, whatever. Uh, it, it might be a question about the passage we looked at today or it might be a comment. So how about I pray and give people that opportunity. But don't forget to... Um, sorry, I keep on saying I'm going to pray, but I keep talking. Just focus on me one, one more second and then we'll pray. Um, friends, if you want to talk to someone about... Um, uh, our financial position and giving. Of course, you can talk to the wardens, that'd be great. Uh, the best person to talk to is me. Best person to talk to is me. I won't chew your head off or anything like that. I'm generally fairly friendly. Um, <laughs> I'd love to talk to you about it, help you with it. I'm very happy to share what Michelle and I do. Um, it seems to work for us, uh, if that helps. So, best person to talk to me, and I can tell you more about, about the ministry plans and how the budget fits into that and exactly where we want to go. So, um, and if you want to get a copy of our budget, which we're almost finished sorting out for next year, you're welcome to get that as well. That's, that's, that's very valuable. Now we're going to pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your uh, goodness and kindness to us. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing amongst us here in, in your church. We thank you for the work that is produced by faith, for the labouring in love, for the endurance inspired by the real and certain hope we have in you through the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Lord God, thank you for your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.